Get on with it, Macca. I will. Good morning and welcome to the program. It's my last program for the year and it's been lovely and thank you very much for your correspondence and your contribution to the program. It's been a, a, a great year. Uh, lovely calls from all over the world and uh, from all over Australia. It's been uh, been a great year in some ways. Other, otherwise, it's been a pain in the neck, but you would have. That's, that's life, isn't it? Um, uh, lots of things from Facebook. Uh, this is from Trevor Nicky. Trevor says, Loved listening to the program from Lismore last Sunday. Reminded me of my time working up there with the floods and post-flood relief work. Um, this is from Gloria. I encourage uh, 100, 120-bed nursing home to tune in every Sunday. The frail residents lying in their big chairs seem to glow with twinkle in their eyes when they hear Macca's voice come through. Thank you very much. Watching and enjoying from Folsom, California, that's where the prison is. Uh, Wagner says this, Folsom, California. I suppose that's where the prison is. Um, God bless Macker and the program. Thank you. After listening for many years, says Mark, it was great to be in your audience for the outside broadcast this morning in Lismore. Love seeing you in action and seeing what goes into producing such an interesting and entertaining show. Thank you, Mark. Christopher says, listening uh, from Hoi, Hoi Guesthouse, Hoi An, Vietnam. My son is complete. That's where some of the cherries go. We've been talking about cherries this morning. If you just got up, good morning. Um, looked like a great morning in Lismore. Like the pink shirt, says Carol. <laughs> I'm wearing it again, Carol. Uh, and Evelyn says, how does anyone get over a flood like that? Hats off to your town, Mawillambar and Lismore. Make sure you do the rock and roll on Facebook. Well, there you go. Our number this morning is 1300 In a minute, we'll be live on Facebook and you'll see the choristers from St Andrews. Uh, they're just out on the balcony here now, tuning up. Um, and we'll be out there very shortly. Uh, g'day, this is Macca. Good morning, Macca. It's John from Shenzhen. Oh, our bike correspondent, our cycling correspondent. Good morning, John. <laughs> Cycling correspondent, yes. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. Every time I see a bike uh, lying in the footpath or propped somewhere, um, but it's nothing like uh, your bikes, but there's bikes here. They're just, you know, whatever. But no helmets. I don't know what happens to the helmets, and you can't ride them here unless you've got a helmet, unlike in China where you can ride them, I assume, without a helmet. Yeah, you can. In in China, there's no, no restrictions on wearing helmets and things. You You can just hop on a bike and off you go. There you go. Uh, any news, John? You you rang to tell us. Oh, I just I just rang to wish everybody a happy Christmas. Um, I'm out of hospital, out of hospital today after um, after having some pins taken out of my hand. What happened? My, to you? my what? bicycle accident. Oh, you had a bike accident. I, yeah, I had a bike accident. Yeah, so I ran into a hole. You know, you ride a bike, you fall over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I'd, I, I'd I love... ran, ran into a hole and had a crash. I'd love to see the stats here in Australia on people who get knocked over on bikes or people who get knocked over by bikes, pedestrians, because here there's no rules. You can ride them on the footpath on the road. Um, yeah. I think uh, probably a, a, a good friend of ours got knocked over by a bike and she's been, <clears throat> she was in hospital for three months uh, and yeah. he was in a, she was on a level crossing, of course, because you don't – the other thing about bikes, you don't usually hear them because they're silent, of course. And um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, uh, completely silent. Yeah, but the, but, but the funny the funny thing is, uh, he, even walking down the street here now, you can't walk down the street and and do it, you know, um, quietly and patiently because there's always someone behind you, ding, ding, dinging, to get out of their way as they, as they ride through. 
it's, well, that's, um, that's it's what quite happens, bizarre. Yeah, that's what happens when you get 1.4 billion people. Um, <laughs> by, bikes are everywhere. It must be. Uh, we got that little video you sent, and I put it up on our Facebook. It's just. It must yeah. be. Uh, it just looks horrendous to me. But uh, you know, anything in great numbers can cause lots of problems. But uh, so, John, you you had a bad accident, obviously, and broke a few things. We um, not not as not as bad as it could be, but um, but broke a couple of bones in my hands, and um, I, I went over the handlebars, ran into a hole, went over the handlebars, and did a face plant on the on the pavement, <laughs> skidded along the pavement on my face. So um, so it had a couple of bones broken, and ended up having to go to hospital. So the the whole episode, like the the accident, was um, was on a, a weekday afternoon. And the roads are blocked, so you can't you can't call an ambulance. It's, it's pointless. So I had to walk about two kilometres to a hospital <laughs> with um, with some Chinese people guiding me because I couldn't see very much with, um, with all the blood and stuff on my face. And after all this, John, do you still you enjoy living in China? Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's it's really it's a very interesting place to be because it's changing so rapidly, and and everything about it is changing. We hear and, about um, we hear about the crackdowns and people being moved forcibly moved from the poor sections of town, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, what we'll call freedom, I suppose, in in China. Is that is that the is that the reality, or is it something different? No, I, I think it's I think it's completely different. Um, the, all of those people who would have uh, been put out of uh, put out of a home would have had somewhere to go to. They're, they're generally um, they're generally very caring of people, and so when they find people in the circumstances like uh, those people in Beijing were, they'd have they'd have gone out of their way to make sure that that they had a place to go. And when you deal with the numbers, everything about China is about numbers. It's just huge numbers. And so they're coping with that on a day-to-day basis. And the people themselves are very compliant, very, um, very, very easygoing um, people in, in terms of dealing with, with large crowds and, and with handling all the issues that come up from large cities. Um, they, they, really, they really are very patient and, and quite kind. So um, I, I, I'd be more than happy to to expand on that next year when, um, when right. you come back from your holiday. All right, Johnny, we'll, good on you. We'll and and, and thanks for your correspondence with the bikes because fascinating here. We only see you know, the odd one in the river and the odd one in the creek and lying here and there, but over there it's just unbelievable. But anyway, um, yeah. well, thank you for that. It's a very – it's it's one of the – Interesting. So, apart from coffee, uh, it's, what, yeah. it's it's the um, it's the new trend of of the world, really. Bikes and coffee. Well, certainly in Australia, it is, and uh, it looks yeah, like in in, uh, in China as well. Good on you, John. Um, what do you do Absolutely. for Christmas? Uh, is there much? Do they have a sort of a Christmassy feel in in China? I mean, it's, no, it's not a Christian it's getting, country. Uh, it's not a Christian country, but but it's getting bigger every year. And uh, this year, um, it's 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 becoming more um, more cosmopolitan. They're they're um, introducing more things that are the traditional uh, Christmas things that we would see in the West. And so, um, for for me and for the for the majority of people who who are here, there's no it's it's not a holiday. So uh-huh. it's just a normal working day for us. But we'll have a we'll have a special dinner on that night, um, just as a as a, a get together to um, to celebrate Christmas. So it'll, it'll be quite nice. All right, John. Good on you, um, and uh, have a merry Christmas. And uh, we'll talk to you in the new year. 
Yeah, indeed. And and uh, the cherries are selling well here too. We, we see plenty of them. Yeah, Australian cherries probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Australian <laughs> cherries. It's great. Probably add, add $5. Australian cherries, yeah, $5. Add $5. Good on you, Johnny. <laughs> okay, all the best. You stay, stay listening. You're listening online, are you? Yeah, I listen online, yeah. I'm just running out onto the balcony now to go get the choristers from St Andrew's Cathedral Choir, so have a listen. Good on you, John. Way to go. Strike up the band. All right. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. There you go. That's John in Shenzhen. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be live on Facebook very shortly. I'm out here with uh, the choristers from St Andrew's, all looking resplendent. Are we live on Facebook, are we? Oh, we're trying to get it up. We're trying to get it up. We're trying to get it up. Uh, Ross Cobb is the musical director. Uh, how are you, Ross? Great, thanks. How are you going here? Yeah, I'm good, and thank you for bringing everyone in this morning. It's wonderful. It's very Christmassy. Ross, you're busy this time of year or busy all year with uh, singing because it's a wonderful thing. It's like uh, brass bands are always in demand. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're busy all year, uh, but especially uh, Christmas. It's our, probably our busiest time. As I say, we're singing probably pretty much every day uh, this coming week. In fact, we are singing every day this week. Uh, several days we're singing three or four times, uh, carol services, thousands of people coming into the cathedral from all over Australia. Uh, and in fact, in fact, internationally, people off cruise ships, people on holiday, uh, they all make a beeline for St Andrew's Cathedral next to the town hall uh, for some reason, which is lovely at Christmas, and we just love to see them, and we love singing Christmas carols and leading them. And what about if you're singing three times a day, uh, all week, two weeks, uh, with sore voices, crook voices? Do you know, it's, no, they don't. I think icy poles are very good, and um, pizza is a very, very helpful thing, uh, for choristers especially, and chocolate we find <laughs> very, very useful to keep us going at the, you know, you know come at you know, 8.30 on Christmas Eve, 10 o'clock Christmas Eve, keep on going, pump full of chocolate, great. Now tell me your story, Ross. You're from England originally? Yeah, I'm from England. Uh, I came over to uh, Sydney to do this job at St Andrews uh, 12 years ago. So this is my 12th Christmas in St Andrews. And you were doing something similar in, in England, were you? Or? Yeah, pretty much the same thing in England, in a place called Bristol in the southwest of England, yeah. This little possum here was smiling. What's your name? Dash. How are you, Dash? Really good, thank you. Uh, tell yeah. me your story. Where are you from? Uh, I'm, well, I am I'm Australian. I <laughs> lived in Sydney as of what, two years ago. Mm. And Where did I, you come from? I, <laughs> I came from Sydney Grammar School. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when I joined St Andrews, I immediately joined the choristers, and I've loved it since. I've been in the choristers for a year now. Uh, you like singing? What do you like singing? Anything besides carols and stuff? Do you sing rock and roll, or do you jazz, <laughs> or anything like that? Well, um, I, I actually I do. Um, I used to be a part of this like rock band, Grish groupy thing <laughs> over in um, Crow's Nest, mm-hmm. and. That that was really fun, and we hold a concert every year. But, but that was a completely different sort of style. We do covers of songs, mm. but yes, I I do do a bit of rock singing. There you go, there you go. Now, I was going to ask you something else, but I've forgotten now. But it doesn't matter. Um, I love the way you smile. What's your name? Aiden. Aiden, and tell me your story, Aiden. Um, well, I was from Abbotsford from the day I was born. Right. Yeah. So there you go, and. Um, Singing, uh, you uh, like singing, you sing every day at uh, at school, do you? Pretty much, mm. yeah. It's pretty hard work, but it's definitely rewarding. Yes, well, it, well it's certainly rewarding for us who are who are listening. Which is William? That's William. That's William. William phoned us. Thank you. Uh, how are you, William? 
Good. That's the way. Um, you phoned us a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? Yes. There you go. Well, thank you for that because, because you phoned us. Here we all are. Um, do you have any other musical interests apart from singing carols and choraling? Yes, I do, actually. Tell me. I like other types of music like pop and jazz and stuff like that, and I also play the piano. Oh, do you? And I used to do recorder. Oh, wow. Listen, on behalf of all of the listeners, uh, thank you all very much, boys uh, and men, for coming in. And, Ross, thank you for bringing them in. And uh, also, Susan, wherever she is, she's around the place. But thank you very much. And Thank you, Susan. And what are you going to sing now? Uh, we're going to sing a very joyful Christmas carol called Joy to the World. Uh, the music is by Handel who's a guy who we sing a lot of, especially at Easter. We sing Messiah on Good Friday. And um, it's good to sing a bit of Handel at Christmas. A lot of people do Messiah at Christmas. We, we, don't, we don't do that. Uh, we're going to sing uh, Joy to the World, which is music by Handel. Uh, and it's a really fun, bouncy, joyful Christmas carol. Thank you very much for coming in. Good luck with all your singing. Merry Christmas to you all, and thank you very much. Anthony's back online, Kel. G'day, Anthony. Oh, g'day, Ian, again. <laughs> Anthony, hey. Anthony just rang a little while ago. He's picking. Uh, he's, they're picking down there at, uh, at Cobram, and he said the cherries are good. How many pickers you got down there, Anthony? Oh, there'd be 250. Wow. Wow. Now, you wanted to tell me something quickly? Yes. Um, next year, the 25th of April, I'm going to, for the uh, anniversary, 100-year anniversary in the First World War, I'm going to Vineyard Court British Cemetery, which is 7Ks from Villas Bretonneux. Mm-hmm. Now, my great-grandfather was killed in Villas Bretonneux, Captain Frank Kitchen, but he, because of the carnage, he was buried in Vineyard British Cemetery, which I have to say is just magnificently kept. Um, if any of your listeners have any relatives there, I'd be more than happy to put flowers on their grave or poppy, whatever, whatever they um, would like. Uh, Anthony, that's a very, a very noble of you. There's a lot of graves there, isn't there? Uh, in um, Villas Britain, yes. In, in Vineyard Court, not as many. Mm. Um, and uh, we're spending. We'll, we will visit Villas Britain, but we will be um, uh, spending the service at um, Vineyard Court. And what, what was your? It was your grandfather, did you say? Uh, my great grandfather, Captain Frank Kitchen. Kitchen, and you've been there before, Anthony? Yes, we were over uh, four years ago, and it's quite astonishing. The first thing we did, being Australians, we stopped at the local pub. Went in there, and the lady heard us, heard our voice. She said, where are you from? It's Australia. She said, oh, you're here for the, uh, the uh, memorial. I said, yes. And she, I said, Captain Frank, he was killed on a property called such and such. And the lady looked at me, and she said, that's our family farm. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. And, I, and Villas Breton, in the school, they have a great big sign. It's green, and it says, for all the kids to see, 
Never forget Australia. Nublio jamais l'Australie. That's it. Something like that, yeah. But it is English as well. Yeah. All right, Anthony. Um, look, I, I don't know. I suppose if people get in touch with us, you, you, they can. Uh, I'll put them in touch with you, okay? Please do. Please do. If anyone has any relatives, they would like flowers or anything laid at their, their headstone, um, more than happy to do it. And you I know go... a lot of people can't get there. Yeah. All right. Good on you, Anthony. Backer, thanks for the show and thank you very much. Good on you, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Hey, going, Macca? Good. This is Josie Butler calling from Central Victoria. How are you? Josie, I'm good. I'm good. What's happening? Whereabouts in Central Victoria, Josie? Uh, just out of Newstead, Macca. We're on a property called Joyce's Park. Uh-huh. And what's happening? And at the moment, I'm walking a mob of about 600 Merino Weathers home to the shearing shed for shearing this week. Oh, wow. Yes. It's a bit fresh this morning compared to what I've been used to for the past nine months. I was up at... About Normanton working on the cattle property up there in the Gulf of Queensland. Oh, that'd be hot up there, Josie. Yeah, it was was pretty hot. It was pretty humid too, Macca. Yeah. And it's well, it's, I think it's going to be hot in the next uh, couple of couple of days, couple of weeks. It is, Macca. Yep, that's the reason we're up so early, moving these weather, so they walk well in the cool of the morning. Yes, and then uh, they'll feel better too when they're shorn. Yeah, they will. That's for sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm here with my two Kelpie dogs, Lindy and Mac, and Roy's on the back of the year with my dad, Tony Butler, and. Yeah, we're about quarter of the way home, which is pretty good. They're walking well this morning. So you'll be home, what, the Savo? Oh, no, probably mid-morning. They're walking extremely well, which is good, so, yeah. And uh, your two dogs, they're uh, Kelpies? Yep, that's it. I've got a red and tan and a black and tan. Uh-huh. How old are you, Josie? I'm 19, Macca, yep. <laughs> All right, so you've left school? Yes, I've left school. Went to left school, went to uh, Longreach Partial College in Longreach, Queensland, and then Went north from there and worked, yeah, up on the cattle station up north. What was that like? Really good, Macca, actually, yeah. It was extremely eye-opening compared to what I'm used to, but no, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Well, I'd love to come and see those sheep getting shorn. I've got a busy week this week, otherwise I'd come down, Josie. But you keep in touch, Josie. Nice to talk to you. Say good day to Dad. Macca. I will. <laughs> and and uh, send us a photo. If, you, if you've got a photo, send me a photo. I will. Yep, I will do that. Righto. No worries. Good on you, Josie. Righto. Thanks for that, Macca. See ya. Bye. Hear this. Recorded live in the park in Young some years ago when we were down there. Did you hear the cherry stories this morning? Anthony and Angelo in Cobram said their cherries are great because they didn't get all the rain that most people have got. One of the people that was with the kids from Waimaru who were playing this was Danny Spillane. He was down there at the school at the time, and that's why they play so well. I went to Kentucky on the way to Mwilumbar and Lismore and Environs, and I bumped into Danny Spillane, who's now at Kentucky, a little school. You know where that is. You can find it on your map. And I had this... Cause Danny, and Danny was busy making marimbas. He makes them. Come and meet Danny Spillane. This came to me from Jeffrey Barrett. 
I want to pay tribute to our former principal of Deepwater Public School, Danny Spillane, our two daughters were students at the school in northern New South Wales in the early 2000s. Danny was like winning a lottery ticket, says he. In our little school, he fashioned marimbas, taught the littlies to play them, and they performed at many school spectaculars. I understand he had started this at Wombat, near Young, in collaboration with John Maiden, is it, from Victoria. I think Danny is still teaching marimba at Kentucky Public School near Urella. The superb result of marimba education is that the kids learn rhythm and harmony as a formative phase of their development, says Geoffrey Barrett. Well, I'm here to tell you, Geoffrey Barrett, and anyone who's interested, Danny Spillane is here in, well, I'm here in Kentucky. How are you, Danny? I'm well, thanks, Macca. It's How a long time. Uh, it's been 15 years we were just working out since the kids performed in Young, which was straight after they'd performed at the Opera House. Uh-huh. Uh, the very next morning, we, we got them all together and, and played in the park at Young, which was wonderful. Tell me about you and the marimbas, mate. When did that start? Well, I'll actually mention Mr. Burrows too because he actually showed up at the school spec a little while after that and conducted the kids. <laughs> he did, he did, it was, was fantastic. Back then the, the group was based around Young, there were several schools around Young, since then a group of those principals have split across the state and so basically now it's become a statewide group. So we've got uh, obviously Kentucky involved and schools up near the far, up the far north coast. But Jerobong out near Forbes, they're involved and, and down south and on the coast. So we actually played at the Opera House about a month ago. So it's still happening. You're the principal here? I'm the principal here and, and, and I coordinate the group across the state. And marimbas are your special love. So um, you didn't do marimbas at uni or anything like that? No, no, no self-taught, <laughs> self-taught. And uh, in the process of making a few now for Christmas presents for families. It's, it's, oh, isn't that lovely? It's a common thing that happens. The parents... Love to have them as Christmas presents and uh, then the kids can practice at home. And the beauty of something like this, I think, I'm not sure, because I haven't taught a lot of kids music, is that you don't have to be able to sing in tune or whatever, but to be involved in music is really great, isn't it? Especially rhythmically. A- absolutely. And this gets children involved from a very young age and, and they sort of experience success very quickly. So you can get them up and performing to a reasonable standard within within 10 or 15 minutes and, and they're really happy with what they're doing and uh, of course the parents are happy too and, and before too long I think I was here six months and we had the kids at the Opera House What triggered you and the marimba? John Maiden as we mentioned who's from I think Geelong in Victoria did a series of workshops at Wombat Mm. And uh, he came and worked with the kids one day and I just saw him working and I thought, wow, that sounds like a great thing. And he showed us how to make a marimba. Since then I've made about 200, I think. I don't know how many I've made, but a lot. That just impressed me as a great thing. And to me, it's, it's been one of the greatest PR tools for a school that I've ever been associated with. Oh, isn't that wonderful? So, Danny, the marimba has taken you overseas as well, hasn't it? Going back to Jeff, Jeff Barrett and the parents at Deepwater nominated me for a couple of awards, and, and one of them that eventuated was a Churchill Fellowship. So I spent six weeks in Africa, Zimbabwe and Botswana, looking at musical instruments, particularly marimbas, and learnt an amazing lot and get a lot, got a lot of material out of that and talked to... Is that where it comes from, the, the marimba? Zimbabwe. It's a national instrument of Zimbabwe. They'd actually had the keys and they'd dig a hole in the ground and just put them across the hole. Mr Mugabe would have played think, one of these. I think he'd have been an expert, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a few days in, the, in a, the bush with some bushmen in Botswana making st- wow. instruments out of nothing in, mm. in the Okavango Delta. So that was wonderful. Oh yeah, so, music takes you around the world. It does, it? absolutely. Music makes the world go around it too. It certainly does. Tell me about yourself. Where have you been teaching and you like teaching in country areas? or? Yeah, I do. I've, I've been a teaching principal for about 30 years. I started off in the Territory and then was at Wombat for about 14 years. Years, and then up at Deepwater, as per Jeff Barrett's letter there, for about four or five, and I've been here at Kentucky for about ten. So, so. what's Kentucky like? It's, it's, oh, it's brilliant. It's a it's, lovely place. Yeah, and you're right next to a lovely old church. It's, 
there's something nice, you know, when you come from the city and you come into somewhere like this, you think, oh, wow, there is another life. There is. And we've got a great school here with a kitchen garden. We've got our chooks over there and the marimba's happening. It's all happening here at Kentucky. I think marimba should be taught everywhere. It seems to me, because music can be very daunting and you hear kids who can sing really well and, and then other little kids can't. And I think, Ooh, how are you going to involve them? Yeah, I agree. Marimba should be taught everywhere. And the beauty of the program now that we run across the state is back in the old days, I'd have to drive everywhere. But now we've got video conferencing in the school so I can ring people up and the children can play. They could be five or six hundred k's away and they could be playing. I could say, right, you've got this part of the melody right, this needs working and so on. So uh, technology has helped us a lot now. I mean, everybody's involved. That's the whole, it's like a rowing aid. Everybody's pulling at the same time. And multi-part, yeah, yeah, multi-part song. So you can have something quite basic for the beginners but also something quite advanced for the better players. So what do you make of marimba? A special wood or anything that's uh, handy? Or? Decking timber and plywood and a bit of PVC pipe if you want to pipe. And how long does it take you to make a marimba? I can make one in about a day if I'm left alone but I rarely get left alone. <laughs> <laughs> so these ones are being made and it's nearly the end of the school year now. We've got a bit over a week to go so I've got a week to finish the rest of those mm. and uh, otherwise there'll be some disappointed kids on Christmas morning. So I, I, oh, so you're giving them as presents? Or? No, well the parents pay me basically cost. So right. just the materials and so in my bit of spare time that I have, we, we knock them together. And kids kids help me. They hold bits of timber for me, often chisel out the keys for me. But they'll be finished by the end of next week so they can be taken Christmas home. Christmas presents. Christmas presents. I'm not sure that's a good idea to give kids musical instruments <laughs> like drums and violins for Christmas because they can see the parents running out the back door or the front door or wherever. Oh, God, not again. I live about half away, Macca, so I, <laughs> I'll be safe. <laughs> I won't hear it. No, they're multi-talented, these children. They'll, they'll be sounding beautiful. How many kids at Kentucky? There's about 40. Danny, great to meet you. Keep on keeping on. Next time you come to Sydney with a marimba band, yeah, let us know. We'll come and have a listen. Absolutely, Macca. We'll do. Good on you, mate. And Merry Christmas. What do you do for Christmas? I'll be around here for a while, but hopefully, hopefully catch up with my brothers at the cricket. Danny, good luck. Thank you. Thanks, Macca. I met Teresa and Jim in uh, in Lismore the other morning. We had a lovely time in Lismore. We had a lovely crowd of people and all sorts of people. This, this is Teresa and Jim. Come and have a listen. It's yep. Teresa from... Barringba. But not from Mooball or Mobile. M- Mobile, not from Mobile. Just next door. Teresa uh, sent me an email just after the floods in, in April and said, Mac, if you're coming up here, you should come up to, to South Mawillam Bar and places like Barringba and Mobile, not Mooball, because <laughs> um, it, they copped it pretty bad too. Yeah, I've got a son who's from Barringbone. He's still at home, living at home mm. since 1st of May. So, mm. yeah. yeah, a lot of people are still displaced. We got, I'm with the Rural Fire Service, and we got the call at half past one in the morning, and we thought, what are they all on about? It never floods in Barringbone. And when we couldn't get down the road, we had to try at 3am, and we finally got out, and we just could not believe the water was still over the road. Never happened before. How long have you lived here? 40 years next year. Bought the land, it's 40 years now, this year. Nice community yeah. too, isn't it? Yes, my husband's from Mobile, so he mm. was there longer. Mobile? Yeah, it smelt yeah. Mobile, but then... No, no, it's not, not for the oldies. <laughs> What's your name? Jim O'Brien. Hi, Jim. It's Mobile, definitely. It's like Mackay and Mackay. You know, the old, the old people call it um, Mackay and the newies call it Mackay. And, yes. and uh, yeah. Up the creek here, we've got Beryl Creek, new settlers, but it was always Burrell Creek for the early settlers. Jimmy, tell me your story. I'm a worn-out old uh, farmer. Well, dairy farming, of course, first, and then there was uh, beef cattle, and I also have a timber block. Over the last couple of years, I've decided to give the chainsaw away. 
How come you've kept the colour of your hair, Macca? Oh, I dye it every couple of weeks, mate. Oh, I just okay. rip into it. And, yeah. You know, it's one shade lighter or whatever it is, yeah. yeah. You ought to try growing your sideburns down like I have, too. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty impressive, Jimmy. Well, yeah. people can recognise me from a distance. Yeah, they say, here comes Jim. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And it gives them an opportunity to change their mind whether they keep coming or yes, turning exactly. around. Yes, exactly, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good... This year, the levy saved the township itself. The devastation was really in South Mulamo where there is no protection. A lot of that debris and that that was down there ended up in the cane paddocks between here and Tweed Heads. They've actually used drones up to identify where a lot of this debris ended up and it's made it a lot slower to handle the cane cutting. I cut cane years ago just using a knife. They've replaced me with a... A machine. a machine that costs half a million dollars. So that's what a cane cutter was worth in the old days. That's Jimmy. Jimmy and Teresa, just two of the people I met a lot of, but they were in uh, Mwillimbar. <laughs> <laughs>